Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. How will central bank digital currencies be rolled out in the United States? Well, look no further than Sam Bankman-Fried uh, for some troubling insights into how all of this is coming together. Investigative journalist Whitney Webb has uncovered some startling connections between FTX's Sam Bankman-Fried and the future of digital currencies in the United States or central bank digital currencies. So how does all of this come together? Whitney Webb joins us now and she's penned a really interesting investigative piece on these connections. Whitney, thanks for joining us here on the show. Great to see you. Thanks. It's great to be back. So let's talk about this connection. First, people sitting there scratching their heads saying, wait a minute, this corrupt Sam Bankman freed <laughs> this fraudster who was yeah. like living in the Bahamas, like, the, you know, how in the world is he tied to the central bank digital currency infrastructure? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of questions about money laundering and the Democrats, you know, funneling money through Sam Bankman yeah. freed and into Ukraine. Uh -huh. So the, there's a lot uh -huh. of weirdness here that I don't think we got answers to, but it seems like you did. Can you break this down for us? Yeah, so there's a lot of different ways to approach um, uh, the central issue here, which is, you know, uh, what the digital dollar is going to look like, and then how does uh, Sam Bankman-Fried tie in? So as far as the FTX scandal goes, there's like one aspect that I in particular found very mysterious, and I'd covered, um, I think, in December 2022, and then I have my most recent article about uh, the same entity uh, coming out a few weeks ago. And it's about this, uh, it's focused on this bank in rural Washington that was a very small building, a one branch community bank uh, that its entire history, which is over, it's over 100 years old, has never managed more than $10 million in customer deposits. Um, and then the chairman of Deltec, the Bahamian bank tied very deeply uh, to FTX, uh, the chairman of Deltec takes over this small bank and then uh, begins transforming it into uh, a new entity. It was previously called Farmington State Bank, and he turned it into Moonstone Bank. And uh, shortly before the Moonstone, uh, Moonstone name change, uh, just literal days, uh, Alameda Research, uh, which is part of the FTX web of companies, um, and a big part of the resulting scandal of FTX uh, poured about 11.5 million, which which is like more than half the net worth of the bank at the time, uh, into this bank. And then its customer deposits in, in a very short amount of time after that balloon to, uh, I think, around 84 million, um, up from like, you know, under 10 million in deposits, all of which was associated with four accounts. And one of those four accounts was called was named FTX Digital Markets and was tied directly to Sam Bankman-Fried and totaled about $50 million. So um, you have this very small bank that gets taken over by this Bahamian, this guy that's running this Bahamian bank, Deltec, that managed many, many accounts uh, for FTX in the Bahamas. And then they take over this rural bank that 
has a clean slate, but is very small uh, in FTX and Sam Bankman fried pump a bunch of money into it. And in the course of this, they get approval to join the Federal Reserve System, which they should not have been able to do because of the for-profit foreign interests that had taken control of this bank. And to this day, the Federal Reserve refuses to comment on the, pro the approval process of allowing Farmington Moonstone to become part of the, of the Federal Reserve System. And uh, eventually when FTX collapsed, this bank was subject, uh, subject to an insane amount of scrutiny, not just from independent media, but from mainstream media and even from Congress. So obviously something was very wrong with the, the designs that SBF and, and Deltec's uh, leadership had for this uh, particular bank. But shortly before then, uh, before the collapse of FTX, uh, Moonstone had teamed up with a company called Fluent Finance, which is uh, essentially the focus uh, or one of the main you know, focal points um, of this article. And uh, Fluent Finance uh, has three co-founders, one of whom claims to be the inventor of central bank digital currencies. Um, and he, one of the other co-founders, worked with him on the initial CBDC project in the Caribbean. Uh, and then the third one is a man named Bradley Algood, who um, is a former NATO guy uh, that uh, after his career in the U.S. military and then and the NATO transitions into uh, creating special economic zones for the cryptocurrency industry and then teams up with top executives at Citigroup and apparently Barclays and HSBC, uh, in, uh, it, along with these uh, inventors of the CBDC to create this new company, Fluent Finance, which is trying to create a digital dollar uh, token, or, or sorry, like a, a stable coin, essentially, um, that is, uh, was going to be affiliated uh, rather extensively based on the press releases at the time with this Moonstone Bank. And shortly before all of this happens as well, or as, as this partnership is actually cemented, uh, and be right before FTX collapse, collapses, uh, Sam Bankman-Fried says that FTX is about to announce major uh, announce a major news regarding FTX aligning itself with a particular uh, stablecoin. And as I note in the piece, uh, based on how they plan to launch the digital dollar in the United States, uh, this seemed to have been SBF and FTX's efforts to. Uh, create a digital dollar. And I think it's very likely that a lot of the political donations SBF was making was to get, uh, re you know, when regulation comes around to have them favor this digital dollar that he was, you know, it, you know, helping to build through Moonstone. So that's what I was going to ask. Was this, you know, like a legitimate, it's almost like in Breaking Bad when, um, you know, when Heisenberg opens a, a car wash, you know, it's a front really for legitimacy, I guess, or the way that the mafia mm -hmm. would open a front for legitimacy. Um, and yeah. that behind the scenes, you're running, of course, this corruption and this massive scandal so that in the eyes of the politicians who you're aligning yourself with in getting all of these democratic donations and you're making these partnerships that you, that, that you're protected, you're shielded. Does that appear to be what he was doing here? Yeah, I think to a significant degree, but it's not just SBF. He's teamed up here with the chairman of Deltec, a man named Sean Chalopine, uh, who has a rather right. interesting career trajectory um, as well. And Deltec, uh, the bank itself, has a rather shady history and interconnections with the Rockefeller family and U.S. intelligence going back uh, you know, to its inception in the, in the mid-20th century. Uh, Chalopine, of course, uh, Jean Chalopine, the current chairman, uh, who's involved with 
Moonstone ended up taking it over at a later date, I think sometime in the 1990s or late 80s. Um, but, you know, he is, is very much present here with SBF. So it's something they were doing together. And this is where it's important to point out that Dell Tech and FTX had a lot of connections with Tether, which is the biggest U.S. dollar uh, peg stablecoin. And it's interesting that they, in creating this, you know, in, in utilizing Farmington State Bank as this apparent front, were moving away from a $1 peg stablecoin tether to this other one produced by Fluent Finance, which was positioning itself as a version of tether that was more trustworthy, quote unquote, and more likely to make it past uh, the, you know, the requirements to be put forth by, you know, coming regulation of the crypto industry. Can you also so it talk- seemed like an effort to position themselves for that, you know, post-regulatory environment. You also talk extensively about the UAE um, and these overseas yeah. connections. Can you talk about that? What is the UAE connection here to all of this? The United United Arab Emirates. Yeah. <clears throat> So Fluent Finance was created for a particular purpose and dissuaded from fulfilling that purpose by the collapse of FTX and the scrutiny applied to Moonstone. And so in the aftermath of all of that, uh, they ended up essentially rebranding to an extent and establishing themselves in the United Arab Emirates, where they teamed up with this other company uh, called R3, which is currently producing the CBDC for the United Arab Emirates. Uh, But the UAE right now is trying to position itself as a Silicon Valley for the future of finance, essentially. And they're doing this with this this nexus of companies that includes R3, Fluent Finance, uh, the XDC network, and some other entities. And R3 is uh, important to pay attention to here because they, uh, for example, were named by the publication Central Banking as CBDC Partner of the Year. Uh, They've been building CBDCs all over the world, but they're also not just building CBDCs, they're building um, bank-issued stable coins, deposit tokens, all of the infrastructure for these things. And these are terms that maybe a lot of people don't know about. I mean, I'm sure a lot more people are familiar with uh, CBDC than these other terms, but the idea is... Uh, overall, different classes of programmable, surveillable money that don't necessarily have to be issued by the central bank in the case of like a direct issued CBDC. You can have private banks issue money that's also programmable and surveillable in the form of a stable coin or in the form of tokenized deposits or deposit tokens. And there's a big push, particularly from Wall Street, uh, to have that happen. So essentially, you have Fluent Finance now in the United Arab Emirates building the infrastructure uh, for these deposit tokens and in these stable coins in such a way that they're compatible and interoperable with CBDCs in the UAE and beyond. And so the goal here Um, as I see it and as is outlined elsewhere in this piece, is to uh, have the UAE sort of serve as a bridge between the BRICS block uh, model or BIS model of CBDCs, which is a direct issue CBDC, where like the central bank itself is issuing the CBDC, um, with this model that's likely to be followed in the US, potentially the UK and elsewhere in the West, where it's not a CBDC in name, but it is in practice, something called uh, sometimes a synthetic CBDC, which is essentially a stable coin, Um, but its reserves are backed with the central bank of that country, or there's some sort of interbank settlement network like fed now, uh, where, you know, there might be some sort of, uh, CBDC, but it's not interacting with the public, the end user really at all. 
And so Fluent Finance, R3, all of these guys are setting the UAE up to be where this model likely to be followed in the West and this model likely to be followed in the BRICS block, uh, among other countries, meet in the middle. We've been saying here on the show, I think we, we sort of feel like CBDCs are an, uh, an inevitability in the United States. Mm-hmm. The central bank digital currency is an inevitability that the Fed can print money however it wants. $34 trillion in debt is the United States right now. Yeah. The Federal Reserve can now take control in a way uh, that we currently don't have that ability to do with cash um, in the United States with the U.S. Treasury. Uh, I think for a lot of Americans, you know, they're being told that this is great because cash is so expensive, right? The the cost of cash is so expensive. It's more of an inclusionary type of currency, right? It brings together everybody, yeah. the poor, the rich, everyone is brought together under this CBDC. Banking the unbanked also. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a bank, mm-hmm. now you don't have to worry about it because you will have a Fed bank. You know, we will pr- be able to provide you with your own <laughs> digital number right. and you'll be taken care of. And this is more inclusionary. Can you talk about that propaganda part of it? Yeah, sure. Well, I, you know, that's definitely the propaganda being put forth by proponents of a direct issued CBDC in the United States, but it's unlikely that the Federal Reserve is actually going to do that. If you listen to the statements recently made uh, by people, top officials at the Fed, who have essentially said that they're not sure they're going to do the direct issued CBDC. And you even have, I think, Neil Kashkari talking about how direct issued CBDCs threaten freedom and and all of this stuff. That's certainly true. But what the Federal Reserve is uh, attempting to do in terms of the production and and launch of a digital dollar um, isn't necessarily any better than a direct issued CBDC would be. And essentially, um, there's a couple of reasons uh, for why this is. So essentially, as I explained in the article, what's going on here is that the goal is to not have the Federal Reserve and Jerome Powell program and surveil your financial transactions. It's to have Wall Street do that with you know support from the federal reserve and this makes sense when you realize that the federal reserve system in the united states is owned by the private commercial banks owned by wall street so obviously wall street doesn't want to be um have their role in the financial ecosystem of the future you know be eliminated or be drastically reduced right because if everyone has retail accounts um, at the federal reserve as would be the case in a direct issued cbdc that sort of takes a lot of what Wall Street does out of play. And also, direct issue CBDC, the idea is that for every, you know, in this case, uh, if it's a direct issued CBDC version of the dollar, you know, for every dollar, digital dollar issued, there'd be something in reserve, a one-to-one ratio, right? But that is very complicated for Wall Street because Wall Street and commercial banks in the United States and also elsewhere, um, you know, follow the fractional reserve model where they don't have one-to-one reserves. You know, if you deposit money in, in any bank really in the United States, um, it's like a 10 to one ratio of, in terms of what they keep. They only keep like a fraction of what you actually deposit at the bank and the rest of it they loan out to somebody else and, and call that private capital creation. Right. right. And so if you follow this one-to-one model and the Fed starts acting as a retail bank, um, Wall Street loses uh, what they can do with the fractional reserve model, which is a huge amount of 
uh, what they do and offer today. Um, I mean, in some senses, it might actually be better in, in the idea that, you know, a lot of bank runs and bank insolvency is, in the past has been caused by the fractional reserve model. But Wall Street and the commercial banks, in my opinion, have no intention of uh, letting that kind of system go because a lot of their, you know, casinos, for lack of a better word, depend on that, you know. So, so Wall unlike Street the Chinese the Fed, model, obviously. So, so unlike mm -hmm. the Chinese model, which would be a, a direct issued central bank digital currency, or as the BRICS nations are looking to do here, it would be in the United mm -hmm. States, it would be a Wall Street issued central bank digital currency, essentially. Yeah. So, you know, instead of Jerome Powell programming and surveilling your digital currency, it will be Jamie Dimon doing it. <laughs> I feel so much better. <laughs> Which I think is why, well, yeah. I think what they will try to do in selling this is be like, oh, look, the U.S. is standing up for freedom. The Federal Reserve wants to preserve uh, liberty in the United States, and they're saying no to a CBDC. But having uh, you know, JP Morgan or Bank of America or any of these guys issue stable, you know, digital dollars, stable coins or, you know, tokenized deposits is not going to be any better because that's just as programmable and surveillable. And if you talk about someone like Jamie Dimon, I mean, he recent, recently talked about um, how it would be a good thing to seize Americans' private property to solve climate change. Um, that's not the Did kind he, of yeah. guy you want programming and surve <laughs> surveilling your... Um, you know, did your, he, yeah, your did money. he write and those? Obviously, Walsh did he write those <laughs> thoughts while he was on Epstein Island? You know, sitting there in his laptop. <laughs> I mean, this is the guy. These are the guys that are going to control our central bank digital currency. I mean, are you? Do you think we're close to this rollout? I mean, the Fed has been teasing. You know, the Fed now portion of this for a while. They kind of been talking backwards, as you mentioned, Neil yeah, Kashkari. Well, kind of how yeah. how soon will we see an actual central bank digital currency in the United States where Americans will have it on their phone? and cash will sort of become a thing of the past. Yeah, so I think um, it's it's coming soon for sure. I think FedNow, which has already been launched, um, right. is a key part of the infrastructure they need in order to take this next step. FedNow had to come first, uh, right. just because of, you know, in order to update interbank settlement. Um, you know, for this new paradigm, because the whole one of the main selling points of digital currency, um, including CBDCs, is that it's, you know, it's so fast and instantaneous and all of that. So they have to deliver on that and have to try and sell it as more convenient. Um, but I think there's a lot of other things in play in the case of the United States as well, because as you mentioned earlier, you know, having passed, you know, $34 trillion in debt um, and with a lot of, you know, the uh, the dollar ecosystem depending, have, you know, heavily on like securitized debt and treasuries and all of this stuff. If the U.S. is to ever default on its debt or get close to defaulting on its debt or becomes unable to service its debt, which is becoming increasingly likely and I think some would argue inevitable, uh, there's going to have to be a major restructuring of the dollar. And I think it's quite obvious that they would do that through the creation of uh, a digital dollar. And one of the ways uh, that I think it's it's pretty clear that they're going to go this route is because if they were to do a CBDC, uh, the Fed would need to have already started a pilot, already started testing and development, and they haven't done that. And that would take several years, leaving them uh, unable to time this launch with like the coming, you know, debt implosion. Um, and so they want to use the digital dollars that are already here. And there's a, a litany of dollar pig stable coins. There's Tether and USDC, for example. There's this one that Fluent Finance um, has created called US Plus. Um, Pay PayPal has launched a dollar pig stable coin. They are all competing to be this new 
digital dollar, and I'm sure, you know, the Wall Street banks will have their own versions, whether it's tokenized deposits or they'll have a bank-issued stablecoin. R3, for example, just teamed up with Wells Fargo uh, to produce a, a digital dollar project that's currently being used uh, by them. So this is definitely, in terms of the piloting phase, quite far, just as far as, you know, China is with their direct-issued CBDC. So the idea is to use these dollar pig stable coins or, or deposit tokens, which are essentially already here. Um, but I think what we're seeing competition over is which uh, of those stable coins or, uh, are going to be, you know, chosen by or you know chosen by regulators or Congress, you know, Congress who are going to be acting as kingmakers here to decide who makes the regu regulatory cut and who does not. And as I mentioned earlier, it seemed that Tether was not going to make the cut, hence prompting, uh, you know, the chairman of Deltek and SBF to team up with this other company. Uh, but Tether recently has onboarded the FBI and the Secret Service to its platform, has frozen wallets uh, on behalf of the US government and has publicly announced their intention to become a world-class partner to the US to expand dollar hegemony around the world. So they're obviously bending over backwards to try and make it through this regulatory cut. And so I think it's likely we're gonna see a lot of competition and also a lot of donations made to lawmakers who will be deciding which uh, stable coins are going to be able to be used as digital dollars in this post-regulatory environment. And again, I think SBF was definitely angling to do that with a lot of his political donations, which again, were mainly made to Democratic politicians, but keep in mind that one of FTX's other top executives, uh, Ryan Salome, was making massive, massive donations to the Republicans. So they were funding both sides. And it's very likely that, you know, this is, uh, people that are invested in these other uh, dollar stablecoin projects are doing much of the same right now. You know, SBF and FTX may be out of the picture in Moonstone as well, but Fluent Finance is not. They've teamed up elsewhere to further this uh, goal. And then you have PayPal, uh, Circle, Tether, you know, these other entities uh, with their own suspect connections that are attempting to become the digital dollar of choice. And Wall Street, of course, will be having their own equivalents invariably. So it may seem like a lot of competing stable coins, but ultimately, uh, they'll be very tied up with uh, the U.S. government and also U.S. intelligence, because there's a broader push uh, to combine, well, more like merge a lot of data sharing between Wall Street banking regulators and intelligence agencies uh, that's been promoted really heavily by groups like the Carnegie Endowment uh, since, uh, you know, 2021 or so. And at the time, the Carnegie Endowment was run by Bill Burns, who is now CIA director. <laughs> and there's a, a big push for that, um, you know, currently. And we actually saw this, for example, with January 6th, where Bank of America was willingly sending U.S. intelligence agencies and the FBI and, and these groups, you know, information on, on the finances of people who were at the Capitol that day. So this is already happening and they have an intention to, you know, deepen this any further. So do not think that this new paradigm is going to be any better for Americans and for privacy um, and for freedom than a CBDC would be. Uh, the goal is to have it, you know, framed as being private, but really it's the same, uh, you know, in terms of its uh, authoritarian potential. It's the exact same as the as the Chinese model, uh, but will be framed as as different. And it's honestly, in my opinion, really little more than a psyop. And if you think about it, um, 
This has happened actually before in U.S. history. So after like 9-11, there was an effort to create this massive surveillance program of Americans that was completely unconstitutional called Total Information Awareness that was being run out of DARPA uh, by a person uh, in in, a criminal from Iran-Contra, actually. And... um, It got a lot of pushback from mainstream media. It was defunded by Congress over the uproar. So what they did is that the architects of this program teamed up with Peter Thiel and Alex Karp, and they turned the Total Information Awareness Program into a private company now known as Palantir. And Palantir now is a contractor for every single U.S. intelligence agency, of which there are now 18. So there was no uproar once it was framed as a private sector uh, project. And right. it is amazing so to think about. Out of it. Yeah, you take the public out of it. And it, I think it's a really brilliant thing that you said, you know, $34 trillion in debt. How do you restructure the collapsing U.S. dollar? Um, you know, and you do it by putting it private, turning, turning to the private sector, turning to Wall Street as a restructuring of mm-hmm. the U.S. dollar. And if these are multinational organizations... You know, international arms as Chase Bank and Wells Fargo and Bank of America and all of these massive banks, then you have you have less panic. I guess you have less panic when the U.S. dollar is losing value uh, up against BRICS nations around the world because now you've you've made this transition. I've really never thought of it that way. It's a it's a fascinating way to think of this transition of the U.S. dollar. Yeah, you know, I think that's how they'll um, most likely get people to onboard onto the digital dollar and their equivalents as quickly as possible is that if the existing dollar or cash is becoming, you know, rapidly devalued by hyperinflation, but the digital equivalent is not for whatever reason, depending on how they structure it, then that will obviously be... um, uh, a major incentive for Americans to onboard onto onto the digital dollars in order to avoid the erosion of their wealth. And which <laughs> and is I exactly what the Fed is. I mean, it seems like now it seems you're connecting the dots here in a big, big way. This They are purposefully devaluing the U.S. dollar. Being they can't pay the interest payments on the debt, mm-hmm. right? So they're purposefully devaluing the U.S. dollar. Well, then what's the off-ramp? Well, the off-ramp is you go private. You go to Wall Street. And now here's this other solution. And so you should probably ditch the U.S. dollar and move over to our digital version of this U.S. dollar backed by Wall Street. Um, I'm just having flashbacks of George W. Bush trying to privatize Social Security. You know, just like, you know, we've been we've we've gone down some of these rabbit holes before. There's been enormous pushback in the public. I wonder how they'll get over that on the propaganda side, because you remember how furious Americans were. We're going to privatize Social Security. We're going to take it to Wall Street. We're going to allow you to invest your money in Wall Street uh, under George W. Bush. And that got enormous pushback from the American public. So this is going to be an interesting propaganda machine that we're going to see unfolding, I think, in the next uh, couple of months. Yeah, I think they'll frame it as the only alternative to CBDCs uh, or a direct issue CBDC. And I don't think that's necessarily true. Um, but I think they'll they'll frame it that way. And then, you know, traditionally uh, what these entities do um, to pressure changes in human behavior is use a mix of fear and panic, usually around some type of event to get people to, you know, quickly change their behavior and, and acquiesce to something they normally wouldn't submit to. Um, And so, you know, whether it's what we talked about previously, some of, you know, this sort of cyber attack on the financial system, which a lot of these entities, the World Economic Forum and the Carnegie Endowment and and these guys have been gaming out with the big banks and the big central banks uh, for some time, you know, that's 
a possibility or the erosion of value in the dollar itself. And, you know, there's any, num any number of crises that they could, could milk to try and herd people into, into this new system. Um, and of course, it's important to keep in mind too, that all of this is going to be directly interfaced with the whole push for digital IDs, um, which is definitely speeding up and even places like, you know, take for example, Florida, so, so you have people like Ron DeSantis in Florida who, are, who, who have framed themselves as being against like CBDCs and digital IDs. But in his case, you know, Florida's moving full steam ahead with digital driver's license and digital IDs. Um, and even though he's publicly spoken against, you know, direct issued CBDCs, uh, if he's okay for, you know, digital IDs, after all, it's very possible that he or a figure like him will try and get people to trust this money as being the antithesis to his CBDC, but rest assured it is it is not because even if it's not the, the US government directly issuing it, we know that these top Wall Street banks or whatever companies are chosen by the US government to be able to issue these digital dollars, they're going to be full on to collaborate with the surveillance agenda of the, of the, of the US, uh, which is, you know, increasingly a financial surveillance agenda as well. And there's a lot of efforts to eliminate right now, uh, online and financial privacy uh, for Americans. And we need to be very wary of that. And Wall Street has shown time and again, that they're very willing to collaborate on those efforts and uh, obviously you know if they're going to be the ones programming and surveilling they're going to be doing that in collaboration with the state so it's more it's going to be more like a public private partnership for the, mm -hmm. for the digital dollar and is definitely not um an antithesis to the the cbdc in terms of you know the threats it presents to to human freedom and, and financial freedom so like a trojan horse well, you can read this entire piece. Yes. I encourage you to head over to Whitney's website called unlimitedhangout.com. Read the unmasking of Farmington Bank, FTX, the collusion uh, for the coming U.S. digital dollar. Whitney, always great to see you. Thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thanks. My pleasure. Take care. Thank you so much for watching this segment here at Redacted. We are live every day at 4 p.m. Eastern time trying to share the stories that the mainstream media will not cover. You should also come over and join our community of Redacted Rebels over at Redacted.inc. That's our private locals community where we can share exclusive content that we simply cannot share here on YouTube. Come over and join the rebellion together right now by going to Redacted.inc. We'll see you next time. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.